This week, we're going to be dealing with two topics. Finishing last week's shir, which is what one is permitted to do before tefillah, and more the critical uh, shir that we're going to be discussing is the makar, the source for davening during uh, where is there chiyuv? Is there an obligation to daven, to pray every day? Is it doraita or is it ravana? So let's just finish off. Uh, the topic that we discussed uh, last uh, week: What is permitted to be do uh, to be done for Tvila? So we discussed going on a journey. We discussed doing actions. What about eating and drinking? And here the Gemara Lord when this says in Vayikra, do not eat al-adam, which could be translated as do not eat before you have prayed on your blood, meaning you first have to daven for your life, and then you can go and eat. Furthermore, says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Amar Rabbi Yoichanan, if one does eat or drink before davening, in such a case, right? That you have thrown me behind you. Gavecha says the Gemara, not at the back of me. Alti gavecha ela geecha. Due to your arrogance. After a person has been arrogant enough to take care of his own bodily needs and whatever he wants to do, then he remembers me and he goes and dance. So from this, it seems pretty, pretty severe to actually go and, and eat and have a meal before dancing. Is there any reason to permit eating or drinking before davening? And here we find one of the even earlier Rishon, uh, basically living in the times of um, just generation after Rashi. So the Rabia says as follows: Asul Adam sheochal kodem palel. Person cannot eat before davening. To drink. And he says, after Lachar, Shenit Ge'e, so what do we learn from that? That it's something that acts, that is uh, arrogant. I see something is chatting. I think we lost you again. Are you not hearing me? Now, yes, but you cut out a lot. Uh -huh. um, so I'm not sure if I'm cutting out or not. Um, Where, 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 where was the last time you you got, what was the last thing you heard? 
I think this. I think the last thing was what you said. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So, so the Rav yeah, comes along and says that the whole prohibition we see from the Gemara is that it, 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 it's a show of arrogance. And because of that, you're not allowed to eat and drink. Says the Rav yeah, that is referring to things that show arrogance, such as drinking something that is, will in, cause inebriation. However, a person who wants to just drink water, says, uh, says the Rav, yeah, that isn't a problem, right? Um, and how does the Beit Yosef discuss this? So the, the Beit Yosef brings this opinion down in the name of the Maria Bua. The Radata Avia Ezri, Avia Ezri is the Rav, it is permitted to eat and drink things for the sake of health. considered arrogant. And this is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch in Arachayim Peitet says, The person cannot eat or drink. But it's permitted to drink water. Whether it's Shabbat or during the week. And similarly, any food or drink for the sake of health reasons is permitted. Now here, the Aruch HaShulchan wants to clarify something. What does it mean? What does it mean that for health reasons? Are we talking about a sick person in hospital? Explains the Arucha Shulcha. That for the sake of Rafua, health reasons, you can eat, you can drink. Explains Arucha Shulcha. We are not talking about a real sick person. The meal to the Pshitahi. Because if we're talking about a sick person, it's obvious. Even if he, there's no danger involved, it would be permitted to eat or drink. He's doing it for health reasons, even though he is not sick. That's an important distinction. He's doing it for health reasons, even though he is not sick. Many people, for example, take vitamins. They take vitamins for health reasons, but they're not sick. So explains the Arucha Shulchan. That's what the Shulchan Aruch is referring to. Even if there's no sensitivity, doesn't even have a sniffle. Like uh, he just wants to strengthen himself. Uh, this is similar to the days of the Abib, you know, in the spring where Shelochin report so let's just skip to the bottom over here. Someone who's got a weak heart. So the Aruch HaShokhan is saying, listen, you don't need to be sick. You need to be doing it for health reasons, to strengthen yourself. If you feel it's going to strengthen your body, you need, your, your, your body is slightly weak. According to the that would be good enough 
in order for uh, to allow a person to eat or drink. The Rambam gives a different uh, different take. The Rambam says as follows in Hilchot Perikei a person who is thirsty or hungry. They are considered sick people. If he has the ability to <clears throat> focus his tefillah, he should daven. But if due to his hunger or his thirst, he is not able to focus his tefillah, he should not eat, uh, he should not daven until he eats or drinks. By the way, um, am I being cut out? Just give me a sense if, you, if, if you're listening, if you can hear me. So far, so good. Okay, great, great, fantastic. So this is a very, sorry? It's intermittently cutting out, uh -huh. distorting. Uh, okay. Uh, is it doable or should we try and reschedule? Carry on, do the best we can. Okay, carry on. There's Okay, so the says the Shulchan Aruch, he quotes, he passes like considered sick people. Now, a person who's sick but has the ability to focus his tefillah, even though he's hungry, go for it. The imlav, if he's not able to focus his tefillah, if he wants to, rather don't daven, but go and eat and drink. If you notice, the Shulchan Aruch adds a word, imratza, meaning the Rambam says, if you can't focus, go eat. Shulchan Aruch says, if you can't focus, and you want to go eat and then go down, meaning the Shulchan Aruch meaning if you try and try and try and daven before eating. But here comes the notation of the Mishnah Look at the Mishnah The Mishnah adds one very powerful word: Varae, a person who is hungry. Harbe says says the uh, says the Mishnah This isn't just like a little tingling in the stomach this is a person who's really hungry he can't focus he's got serious hunger pains that is the definition according to the mishabura based on the lavush and based on that the question is as follows a person wakes up in uh, wakes up before going to to tefillah so maybe most people might have a little bit of a hunger pain mishabura is understanding one shouldn't be eating or drinking. Now there's going to be one exception to the rule, and let's bring the Mishnah Brewer who says as follows. You're allowed to drink tea or coffee. Because this allows a person to focus his tefillah and daven with more intention. Especially in places where this is the norm. And I think I can say it about myself. Uh, if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, my uh, learning isn't, uh, you know, I can't learn properly until I've had my cup of coffee and I can't daven probably without a cup of coffee. If I'm running late and I don't get my cup of coffee before running to, to the shear, 
um, it's not good. It's not good. So I think that's what the, the Mishnah is talking about. But then he adds something as follows. This is without sugar and without milk. He feels that sugar and milk are a luxury which borderlines, borders arrogance. And as we saw, that would be a problem. However, the Mishnah wrote this, I think, almost 150 years ago. I think times have changed. And this is what Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach writes. A person who needs to drink before tefillah, we have become both with sugar, and therefore it's not considered arrogance. It's considered, it's the, this is the way people drink, uh, drink coffee. Um, maybe we can do away with the sugar. That's probably a suggestion a suggestion for health reasons, but a person who usually drinks his coffee with sugar, that's how he drinks it. It's not being arrogant. Says, however, if possible, one should try and say some type of bakasha. I think if one says, Birkot Torah and Modeani, etc., and until Birkot Torah, that might also uh, fulfill. Uh, the obligation. Look at the Yalkut Yosef. The Yalkut Yosef says, The same idea, I'm not going to read the whole um, uh, Yalkut Yosef, but it's pretty much accepted that today one can eat, uh, one can drink coffee and tea with milk, with sugar, and pretty much that has become accepted. One noticeable distinction is the Ma'amar Molochai Rav Molochai Eliyahu. Rav Molochai Eliyahu this is If a person is not able to concentrate without drinking his coffee or tea, it's considered a sick person, he can drink. And also you can have it with sugar. But then he says, He should be careful when drinking. Don't turn it into, uh, 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 you know, some type of social gathering uh, before davening. Rather, you should drink by yourself. Okay. Um, let's. I, I, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to skip to the the next part of the shir because we started late, and I really want to get to to the other the other topic. But basically, Rabbi Yalkut Yosef says that a chazan can drink a raw egg. I'm not sure if they do that anymore, but apparently. Or cousins that do that, he says there's no problem, you can do that, that's considered refuah, even though you have to make a, a beer cut in over it. Um, finally, we'll just say that what happens if one drank before before the Zman Tfila, before Alota Shachar, does one have to stop? And the Mishnah Bura says, one should stop, meaning if you're eating or drinking, um, up until one is okay. But once the Zman Tfila from Alotah Shachar begins, one should not, then this prohibition kicks in. Uh, uh, the Zohar is Mahmir. The Zohar is Mahmir that if a person went to sleep, then one shouldn't eat when one wakes up, even though it's before uh, the Zman. Um, according to the Zohar, people who wake up before the fast day and they want to get a meal in, according to the Zohar, that could be problematic. But Me'ikar Adin, it's not a problem. So Me'ikar Adin is not a problem. And therefore, um, and, and uh, the Yalkut Yosef says, even those who want to be Mahmir, like the Zohar, there's no problem having tea or coffee because even that, the Zohar wasn't Mahmir regarded. Okay, that's pretty much the end of that here.
Um, and I want to move on now to today's year, and that is the makar for the chiyuv to daven in the first place. And I want to I want to do a little preface by stating as follows: the source for the obligation of tefillah. We've been learning kilchot tefillah now for almost uh, a few months, and why are we why are we only getting to this year now? Surely this year should have come at the beginning when we're discussing it. And I want to just make a, a, a theology, a methodological, methodological distinction between the Shulchan Aruch, which the Tzorbim Rabbanan, we are going according to the order of the Shulchan Aruch, and the Rambam. The Rambam, when he codified his laws, he codified them according to ideas, meaning I'm now going to learn, the, I'm going to teach you the laws of tefillah. And tefillah is going to be part of Ava. I'm going to put it in Sefer Ava because that's where its connection is on a theological level. From an idea perspective, that's where it should be placed, meaning the Rambam codified his halachot according to a system that is based on theory, meaning where should this idea be placed in my service of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that's where I'm going to place it. The tour, when he codified his laws and the Shulchan Aruch based his Sefer on the tour, so the Shulchan Aruch decided to follow the tour, they didn't go according to a logical codification. They went according to a practical uh, codification. So practically, I'm not going to tell you what the laws of tefillah. I'm first going to tell you when you wake up in the morning, what do you have to do? And once you wake up in the morning and we've done the laws of modi'ani and the tilat yadayim, then we're going to get to tzitzit. And when we get to tzitzit, we're going to get to tefillin. And after you've got to tefillin, then you're going to shul. I'm going to teach you the halachot of tefillah. And therefore, when the Shulchan Aruch writes his codification, it is more based on a chronological order based on practicalities. The person is now at this stage on, in his day. I'm going to teach pertinent to that point in principle of the source for tefillah quite far into our discussions on Hilchot tefillah. So let's begin. The source for Dabni. The Gemara in Masechet Tanit Dabbet says as follows. The Tanya, La'ava et Hashem elokechem That's a Pasuk. We know in Dvarim, we say it in Kriyat Shema. What does it mean to serve God with all your heart? Ezohi avodahi shehi What service of Hashem is in the heart? Have omer zo tefillah. This is referring to tefillah. Now, we have a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, to serve Hashem with all your heart. The Brighter tells me that this is referring to Tefillah. I can assume from here that the obligation to Daven seems to be from the Torah. Where is it from? From this Pasuk. And this is really how the Rambam rules. The Rambam in Sefer HaMitzvot, the Rambam, the Mitzvah Tasei, number five, says, We are commanded to serve Hashem. And this uh, commandment to serve Hashem 
is repeated a few times. It says, you shall serve your God, and you, uh, him you shall serve. Again, this is a general commandment to serve Hashem, as we said in his introduction to how he counts mitzvot. There is something specific regarding this commandment. According to the Rambam, there's a general commandment to worship Hashem, but there's a specific commandment, and therefore it's constituted as one of the Taryag mitzvot, one of the 613 mitzvot, to Daven. And so from the Rambam, it's very clear that there's a Torah obligation to Daven. How much we should Daven, when we should Daven, not so clear. But according to the Rambam, there's definitely a Torah obligation to Daven. That's what he says in his Sefer HaMitzvah. The Ramban, in his famous Hasagot on the Rambam, this is his first Hasagah, if I'm not mistaken, and here he, he says, Vein There is no agreement regarding the Rambam's de uh, marking Tfila as one of the 613 mitzvah. We have already seen in many sugyot that from the Talmud, it sounds like the Gemara's definition of tefillah is only rabbinical. As I said in the third paragraph, third chapter in Masechet Brachot, Balkeri is still permitted to recite Kriyat Shema, which is obviously Minat Torah. Not obvious when we learned uh, when we learned the laws of Kriyashma, we saw that there was an interesting opinion of Tosot. But besides, for that, we assume that Kriyashma is Midoraita. Umavarech Alamazon and Birkat Amazon is also Midoraita. Nevertheless, he doesn't daven. And the Gemara says, what's the reason? Kriyashma, Birkat Amazon, Doraita. Both Kriyashma and Birkat Amazon are both Torah obligations. But tefillah the Rabbanan, and therefore says the Ramban, and he continues. When the Torah, when the when the Gemara said and we said, what is that referring to? How do you serve Hashem with your heart? That's tefillah. Says the Ramban It's not the true understanding of that pasuk. The rabbis pinned the obligation to daven on that verse. That's called an asmachta. Olomar, now he gives a second answer. He says, no, there's a Torah obligation to serve Hashem. What's included in serving Hashem? First of all, daven, uh, learning Torah. That's serving Hashem. Second of all, davening to Hashem the eight at Sarot, at a time of need, when a person is in need, and I should be only turned towards a Kodesh Baruch who look towards their master. And that's what the Pasuk says in Bamidba. When a war comes upon you, 
right? When you go to war against the enemies that come to attack you, you shall sound the trumpets in order to be remembered by Kodesh Baruch Hu. And what does it mean you shall sound the trumpets? Whenever a terrible uh, um, distress comes on the community, to cry out to Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Ramban seems to be learning it out from that Pasuk, and not from the Pasuk of There is a very interesting uh, article at the end of this uh, at the end of this uh, shear for those of you who have the books um they should be coming out of print this week so you should be able to get them next week um there's an article by Rav Samuel where he goes into the discussion between the Rambam and the Rambam defining this exact argument what is the argument between the Rambam and the Ramban what is the opinion of the Ramban most understand the Ramban to explain that there is a rabbinical obligation to daven every day, and it, there's a Torah obligation to daven in a time of need. That is a pretty accepted understanding of the Shitta of the Rambam. However, as, we, as I suggest, read the article at the end of this year, and you can get different understandings, both of the Rambam and of the Ramban. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, um, we said that everyone agrees or that there's an obligation with Rabbanan. Let's read the Gemara in Masech Brachot, Lamed Gimel. Everyone agrees that the members of the Great Assembly of the Anshek Neset instituted these things for Am Yisrael, brachot, blessings, and filot. And furthermore, says the Gemara in Masechet Megillah, his dear Shmona Yisrael brachot l'tner Rabban Gamliel ala seder b'yavne. Shimon Apakoli was the one who arranged the 18 brachot, what we call the Shmona Yisrael, our silent uh, Amida, in front of Rabban Gamliel in Yavne. If already instituted Tfilat, so what did Shimon Apakoli do? Explains the Gemara, Shachachum Bechazar Besirum. There was a time period after Shimon instituted Tfilat, it became lost, and afterwards Shimon Apakoli came back and reinstituted it. And that everyone agrees seems to be a rabbinic institution, whether there's a Torah obligation to daven or not, everyone agrees there's a rabbinic obligation. And here the Rambam uh, lays it out for us. It says as follows. The Rambam is Since Am Yisrael went into exile in the times of Nebuchadnezzar, so they got mixed up in the different uh, countries and they had children in Chutzat. And these people lost their, their, their ability to speak with the, the, a clear language. They couldn't speak Hebrew anymore. They were having a, a Hebrewish kind of um, language. 
וכיוון שהיה מדבר ואינו יכול לדבר כל צורכו בלשון אחת אלא בשיבוש, everything was muddled, he couldn't speak English properly, he couldn't speak Hebrew properly, it was all one big mishmash, שנאמר ובניהם חצי מדבר, אשדודית, ואינם מכירים לדבר יהודית ללשון עם ועם. He quotes a pasuk in a chemet that really says that people that couldn't speak one language. He shortened this tefillah. And what happened? So Ezra and his Beitin instituted a Nusach, a Kabua Nusach of 18 Brachot that all of Am Yisrael would recite. The first three of praise, the last three, sorry, of praise HaKosh Baruch Hu, the last three of thanking HaKosh Baruch Hu, and the last three כל הדברים שהם כמו אבות לכל חפצי איש ואיש ולכל ציבור כולם. So there are things that are for the private needs and also things that are for the community. כדי שיהיו ארוכות בפי הקור וילמדו אותן ויהיה תפילת אלו הגלים, תפילה שלמה כתפילת בעלי הלשון הצחה. These תפילות that could be expressed by everyone uh, in, in an eloquent way and that's great. And this is clearly what the Rambam says, So that everyone would be able to express themselves properly, whether you're Talmud Chacham or not. Now we have a Kabua Nusach, so that everyone would be able to daven. And the uh, Rav Chaim of, Levo, of Levoshin explains that it wasn't just that they gave a certain Nusach. He explains as follows. Hamaskil yavin midato. A person who is wise will realize. We wouldn't need 120 of the greatest sages, even prophets, to create some set Nusach. If that was the only reason, we didn't need 120 of the greatest sages of Israel and prophets to do that. These people understood also in prophecy, right, the, the correct way of how Hashem created the world. Basically, the Nefesh Achaim is telling us that the power of the words are, are not just a set nusach, but there is mystical connotations, uh, very, very lofty connotations that, that we don't even begin to understand. And that's why I was needed the Anshe Knesset Agdola together with Nevi'im to institute the Shmona Yisrei Brachot. Now, when shall we daven? We said that there's an obligation. According to the, the Rambam, it's a Doraita. According to the Ramban, it seems it's the Rabbanan. Um, but everyone agrees that there is a time where we are obligated to daven, and that was fixed by the Anshe Knesset Hagdola. Explains the Gemara in Brachot Chafla. Abraham tiken filat shachrit. Abraham instituted shachrit. Shneirimar vayashkem Abraham baboker el hamakom asher amad sham. Ve'ena amida el tefila. 
It says that he stood up and he went into a certain place. What's Amida? Amida means when he stood there, it means he davened. How do we know this? Because it says regarding Bayamot Pinchas Bayifaleh. And Yitzchak instituted Mincha. And Yaakov instituted Mariv. This is pretty well known, so I'm just going to skip it. Uh, let's just read the Pnina Alacha, Rabbi Yezim Malamed, who summarizes it. Following the custom of the forefathers, meaning if the forefathers instituted, what were the Ancheknos Tagdola doing? Explains the Pnina Alacha. The forefathers instituted as a custom. Now came along the members of the Great Assembly, and they instituted as a rabbinic enactment three separate tefillot. And they paralleled them to the communal offerings because the tefillah really parallels the inner under the inner understanding of the communal korbanot sacrifices were. So it became instituted rabbinic obligation to daven three times a day. What about the obligation? Obligated a midoraita midrabanan according to the Rambam. We say that there's a Torah obligation, does that include women? If we say that it's a rabbinic obligation and the rabbinic obligation is done three times a day, what does that mean regarding women? So let's see what the Gemara says in the Mishnah in Masecha Prachot. They are exempt from Kriyachma, because Kriyachma is clearly a Zman Sha, Mitzvah Sha Zman Grama, dependent on the time. And also Tfilin, which is dependent on time. But they're obligated to Daven. Why they're obligated to Daven? Explains the Gemara. One could argue that it's also a time bound mitzvah, right? So if it's a time bound mitzvah, surely women should be exempt from tefillah as well. Explains the Gemara, because the, the real heart of tefillah is asking, begging HaKadosh Baruch Hu for mercy. Since it says daven in the morning, in the afternoon, and uh, in the evening, so it's compared to a positive time-bound mitzvah, and since it's considered like a positive time-bound mitzvah, they should be exempt. Kamash Milan, that the Gemara, the Mishnah is telling you that since they also need mercy, they also have to ask for mercy from Gosh Baruch Hu, they also are obligated. Now look at Rashi. Rashi says, that Tfilah is rabbinic, uh, is uh, mercy, but it's a rabbinical obligation. And the sages included women and children, uh, children for educational purposes, women for they also need a tefillah, they also need rachame, but it's clearly a rabbinical obligation according to Rashi. Look at the riff. The riff, and we'll see the Rambam follows the riff, right? The riff says, Kriyashmatvilin, the Havile Mitzvata Seshazman Grama, Bohomitzata Seshazman Grama, 
look at the words over here. It's not a time-bound mitzvah. According to the rib, since this is not a time-bound mitzvah, women are obligated. He didn't say it's rabbinic. It sounds from the, the rib that this is a Torah obligation. Let's read the Rambam. The Rambam writes in Yilchot Tefillah, it's a positive commandment from the Torah to daven every day. And then he says, let's skip to the next. The actual text is prescribed by the Torah. Then the Tefillah's completely stopped. You got me back? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm not sure where we cut off. I'm just going to go back to the Rambam. The Rambam is highlighting that it is not a positive mitzvah. I say it's not a time-bound mitzvah. He says explicitly, mitzvah I say It's not a time-bound mitzvah. Now, if you look at the first line in the Rambam, what does the Rambam say? Let's go back to the first line. The first line says, mitzvah I say palel yom. There's a positive commandment to daven every day. And then the Rambam in Halacha Bet says, Lefi mitzvat asei shelo hazman grama. It's not, so which one is it? Is it time bound or not time bound? Now, there are different answers given what the Rambam means. The Rambam could understand that even if I have an obligation to daven every day, but there's no specific time during that day to daven, that is not considered a time-bound mitzvah. And if we understand the Rambam that way, then women are obligated. And let's continue. The Rambam says, A person has to daven every day, has to ask Rachamim. According to the Rambam, the daily doesn't turn it into a time-bound mitzvah. A time-bound mitzvah is that I have to do it on a specific day, or I have to do it on every day, but up to hour number in the morning, or up to uh, midday, or etc. That would turn it into a time-bound mitzvah. However, if it's, I have an obligation, a general obligation every day to serve HaKosh Baruch Hu, and how does that translate, that translate into davening, that is not considered a mitzvah shazman grama, and therefore women are going to be altered, right? And this is the opinion of the Rambam in the Rift. So it comes out as follows. According to Rashi, it's clear that women are only obligated midrabanan. It seems that according to the Ram, Ramban, 
women are only obligated to meet the Rabbanan because the Ramban holds that even men are only obligated to meet the Rabbanan, rabbinically. On the other hand, we have the Shita of the Rambam and the Rif that imply that women are obligated just as men are obligated. Why? Because it's not a time-bound mitzvah. How does the Shulchan Aruch rule? Says the Shulchan Aruch in Siman Kufa, Nashim ba'avadim they are obligated to daven. The Shulchan Aruch is taking a very clear stance. He is passing like the Rambam and the Rif. This is not a time-bound mitzvah, and then for women are obligated. Let's see what the Magen Abraham says on this. Indeed, this is the Shita of the Rambam. The Tefila is a Torah obligation. On a Torah level, you only have to daven once a day. However you want to daven. Says the Magen Abraham. Nagu rov nashim. The minag, the custom of most women, she'ain mitpaladot bitmidot mishum domrim miyad baboker samoklan edlat eze bakasha. Says the Magen Abraham. Most women have accepted, don't have the minag to daven. How can that be? Shulchan Aruch Paskin, like the Rambam, that there's a Torah obligation to daven. And women are included in this because it's not a time-bound mitzvah. So how can women, how did it come that woman in Ashkenaz didn't daven? Explains him again, Abraham. That according to the Rambam, the obligation to daven from the Torah is not limited to a specific time and it's not limited to a nusach. And therefore, as soon as they wake up, even if they would say a certain bakasha, any type of uh, um, request from a Baruch Hu, they fulfilled their Torah obligation. And then he adds a very important line. It could be that since they fulfilled the obligation from the Torah, it could be that the rabbis didn't obligate them to do more. Meaning, when the Anchek Neset instituted Tvila, maybe that was only for men and not for women, according to the Magen Abraham. And therefore, according to Magen Abraham, if a woman would get up in the morning, saying what they need, and ask Akash Baruch Hu for something, that would be good enough. If a woman gets up in the morning, says, Akash Baruch Hu, thank you for giving me back my trauma. Please let this day be a great day. Let my kids have a great day. Let me have a great day at work. Let my, my husband have a great day at work. And thank you for all the broccoli you've given us. She's fulfilled her obligation. Both, according to the Magana Brown, both Midoraita and the Magana Brown. Let's just We've lost you again.
So let's continue next week since my internet is not great. Let's pick up next week and just uh, we'll close up this topic. What is the obligation of women? What is obligation? of men to daven uh, the magnificent two weeks now okay so just uh the share but next week uh, i will not be able to give the share i won't be in the country we'll miss you